Support for Kansas City Today comes from Grandma's Office Catering. One bank teller instead of the usual five. Slow, fast food lines. Simply not enough staff. Grandma's Office Catering avoided the mass exodus with the respect, appreciation, better wages, and now health insurance. That's how Grandma continues to wow. Grandma'sCatering.com. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Brian Ellison. Today is Monday, April 25th. Coming up, we break down the Kansas legislature's veto override session that gets underway today. Finding the votes to override Governor Laura Kelly's vetoes of high-profile bills will be a challenge, but... Not impossible, because you got to remember that leadership in the House and Senate have uh, special tools to convince people to see things their way. The fate of legislation on transgender athletes and parental involvement in public school curriculum hangs in the balance. We'll break down what all remains on Kansas lawmakers' to-do list. But first, a look at some of the latest in Missouri government and politics. The long-simmering tension between Kansas City officials and the state-controlled Board of Police Commissioners has entered a new season with the official retirement Friday of Police Chief Rick Smith. Deputy Chief Joseph Mabin was sworn in as his interim replacement, as KCUR's Salisa Kalakal reports. Mabin is a 22-year veteran of the KCPD and will lead the department while the city searches for a permanent police chief. As a deputy chief, Mabin oversaw the Investigations Bureau. He will get a 25% salary bump as interim chief. Mabin says he's committed to building trust in the community. Well, fighting violent crime is, is a serious issue. And it's something that I'm going to focus on moving forward, working with our federal, state, community partners to do that. The search for a permanent chief by the Board of Police Commissioners could take up to a year. Mabin said he won't apply for the permanent position. Missouri Lieutenant Governor Mike Kehoe was on hand for Friday's announcement of a new four-block-long deck over Interstate 670 in downtown Kansas City. He joined city and federal officials in celebrating the project, but as KCUR's Frank Morris reports, it's not entirely clear where all the funding will come from. Cutting a sunken freeway between downtown and midtown in the 1960s turned out to be a terrible idea. People have been talking for decades about building a deck to heal the Kansas City cut. Now, Mayor Quentin Lucas says that's coming. We will have a lid that's being built, that's been financed, and more than anything, that will be a great gathering space for Kansas Cityans. The deck would look like a park with four block-long sections with playgrounds and paths. Construction could start in a year, and it will cost around $160 million. But funding is not in hand. City manager Brian Platt says the city has verbal agreements for over half the money. And the Missouri General Assembly now has three weeks left in the session, and lawmakers still need to reconcile the different versions of the state budget passed by the House and the Senate. Other legislation still in the pipeline, but not yet at the finish line, includes new funding for charter schools, a so-called Parents' Bill of Rights that seeks to give parents more say over what is taught in public schools, and a proposal to ban cities from imposing moratoriums on evictions. All that before the session ends May 13th. The Kansas legislature gets back to work today after its spring recess. It has been an eventful three weeks, with Governor Laura Kelly, a Democrat, signing many of the bills approved by the Republican-controlled legislature into law, but also issuing some high-profile vetoes. Now, besides considering overriding those vetoes, the House and Senate still have some significant unfinished business on their agendas. To get a sense of what we should be watching for, I spoke with Tim Carpenter. He's senior reporter for the Kansas Reflector. He's been covering Kansas and the State House for more than 35 years. And I asked him what his impressions were of this year's session. So I'd have to say that in an election year, everything gets uh, 
the tension rises a bit in the state house and and particularly this year that's the case with governor laura kelly running for re-election and uh, the attorney general derek schmidt a republican running against her derek schmidt's allies in the state house have been doing all sorts of things to try to make the governor look like she should, didn't deserve another term. So mm -hmm. that's probably the most striking thing there, because that's kind of an overarching umbrella kind of issue that touches various pieces of legislation. More so than in previous election years, has something shifted or changed or gotten worse? Well, you know, the some of the dialogue in, in politics today is so toxic. And, and I think some of the things that are said wouldn't have been said 10 years ago on the House or Senate floor yeah. just wouldn't be done. Yeah. There was better decorum back then, but that's sort of a national thing. Well, let's talk about the last few weeks. Quite a few bills stacked up on Governor Kelly's desk over the session. She wasn't shy about sending some of them back. Uh, what stood out for you among the vetoes? Yeah, so she vetoed a bunch of bills last year and got overridden on about half of them, I'd say. This year, she's done the same. She vetoed the trans girl and women's sports ban. That's for schools and colleges. Uh, the, the conservatives don't want trans women participating. She vetoed an educational bill of rights for parents. It was really a restatement of a lot of local school district policies regarding a parent maybe doesn't want their child to uh, study a certain biology subject about evolution or something like that. That that right has always been there for our parents. It also articulates the idea that parents should routinely challenge books in, in school libraries. So those are the two big major vetoes that she, she did and the two that the uh, Senate Republican leadership has promised to try to override her on. And the, the votes were pretty close on those. It's not a sure thing that they'll be uh, able to override, right? I think both bills have Republicans who don't like them. And uh, the Democrats, of course, are not big fans of it either. And some of the Republican opposition is very, very vocal and emotional. And so I think it's getting, getting to those two-thirds majorities to override the governor is going to be a stretch. Not impossible, because you got to remember that leadership in the House and Senate have special tools to convince people to see things their way, uh, you know, leverage of other legislation or committee chairmanships, you name it. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of tools there that, that can be used to press people to vote a certain way. And they've shown already this year that they're willing to use those tools to, uh, to get the votes. Yeah, they stripped some senators of their committee assignments, you know, which is sort of embarrassing when you go from being on a, a top-notch committee to staring at the wall in your statehouse office. Governor Kelly also vetoed the ban on banning single-use plastic bags. She also vetoed the COVID-19 doctor liability protection. Yeah, there were several cities, Wichita most prominently, was thinking about, they'd studied it for years, having a ban on single-use plastic. Really, the focus was the plastic bags. And there's some merchants in Wichita that are interested in doing this, but the Kansas Chamber of Commerce doesn't like it. It's one of those deals in which the state legislature doesn't like the federal government telling the state what to do, and the cities don't like the state telling cities what to do. But in this case, the legislature decided they knew better than every city and county in the state, and so they don't want any kind of bans on, on plastic. On the liability issue, the legislature decided to expand and extend some a lawsuit liability protection for doctors and medical facilities in terms of the COVID pandemic, in terms of treating people with COVID. And that's, that's a bit controversial because some people think that liability protection just went too far. 
So we'll see where those end up. Uh, of course, Governor mm-hmm. Kelly did sign some bills, uh, including, of course, the state budget. Remind us of the most significant elements included in that $16 billion. Oh, my. There's a lot in there. There's a lot that just gets government functioning day to day. You know, is KDOT people going to get in their snow plows and drive down the road? But, you know, one thing that gets overlooked sometimes is there's a lot of years where there's no money for state employee raises. And I believe in this budget, there's a there's a 5% increase for state workers, which is in terms of today's inflation is a big deal to them. There's also $500 million in there for the state's uh, budget stabilization fund, a rainy day fund that's never had that much money in it before. And uh, the budget extended postpartum coverage, but for in CanCare, the Medicaid program in Kansas. D- do you think uh, there's uh, some signs of bipartisanship in this budget? It sounds like there's a little bit for everybody there. I think people would be surprised, given the toxicity that I mentioned in regards to today's political climate, how much bipartisanship there is on a lot of these pieces of legislation. The majority of the bills are passed by wide margins. It, you get into the handful of controversial things, and it's not such the case. The postpartum thing was interesting. Wide support for extending from, I think it was the, you you got coverage in terms of postpartum for people on Medicaid. I think it was a couple of months and it's going to a year uh, because it was widely viewed as that two month period was just insufficient. So those are the kind of issues that a lot of people, conservative and, and liberal can rally around and push something through. Now, uh, those are things that happened in the last few weeks, vetoes and signing of bills. But of course, there's a lot that is still on the agenda as lawmakers come back to Topeka today. Uh, Not included in that budget that passed was school funding, a perennial issue in the legislature. What's in dispute this time around? Well, uh, without getting into the weeds, it used to be back in the day, you didn't necessarily blend the budget, the money with public policy. And the, the real intent here is to tie public policy together with the K-12 budget to try to get a bunch of people to vote for policies they don't like. Mm-hmm. And so uh, that's part of the issue there. I think there's controversial policies out there that, uh, well, there's one where uh, it would open up public school districts to kind of an, an open enrollment model. So, for example, if if I my kid, I live in Lawrence and I my kid goes to Lawrence Public Schools and I want my child to go to the Eudora Public Schools, I could just drive him there and enroll. And so this open enrollment thing is kind of kind of controversial. And I think school districts don't like it because what if the best school district in the state, you know, hypothetically Blue Valley in Johnson County suddenly had a thousand people that wanted to enroll there? I think there's some limits on uh, in the legislation about what could happen there. But one of the interesting things is it's like the argument for it is we want the students going to really horrible schools to go to better schools and they, they deserve that opportunity. But there's no money in this for transportation. So if you're if you're living in a poor neighborhood and your school suffers academically, you're going to have to get yourself to Blue Valley, which is highly unlikely. So there's there's some issues with the legislation that that uh, people complain about. Of course, there's still a number of other things left on the agenda, including what might have been Kelly's highest priority this session, eliminating the state sales tax on groceries. What do you think the prospects for that seem to be? I think the prospects are good. Some form of food sales tax relief will occur, I believe. Governor Kelly wants to knock it down to zero, the 6.5 percent food sales tax down to zero on July 1. That may not happen because that would be a Democrat victory for Laura Kelly. The alternative would be to phase it out over several years. 
And once it's gone, it might save, uh, you know, consumers 500 bucks a year or something like that. So uh, there's Republican and Democrat support for reducing this particular tax on food. Remind us how long the legislative session goes on in Kansas. How much time do they have to, to deal with all of this? It starts in January, mid-January, and typically they view it as a 90-day session. But, you know, it can go long. It can go short. There's no hard and fast rule. You can have a special session pretty much any time you feel like it. So really, I, I don't sweat the length of these sessions as long as they get their work done and do it effectively and, and with care. Uh, and but they worry about it a lot. The legislators worry tons about being there and and chewing up cash uh, every day that they're there. So they kind of obsess about it, but I don't think the public cares. They get paid by the day, but not very much. Yeah, the salaries are terrible. You can find more of Tim Carpenter's state house coverage online at kansasreflector.com. Tim, thank you so much for being with us. My pleasure. I appreciate it. This is Kansas City Today, a podcast from KCUR Studios produced by Byron Love and Trevor Grandin and edited by Lisa Rodriguez and Gabe Rosenberg. KCUR.org has the latest on Missouri and Kansas government and politics all week long. You can also follow me on Twitter. I'm at PTSBrian. I'm Brian Ellison. Thanks for listening.